The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Turning our attention to the issue of climate change and how we think of it as Christians. The main narrative is that human activity contributes to global warming, creating a human-made threat to the planet. Some research out of the United States suggests that evangelical Christians are more likely to question whether human activity contributes to a warming of the earth. Some evangelicals argue that global warming is of little concern in relation to the biblical idea of last days, believing that if the world is warming, that'd be proof, wouldn't it, for God's ideas around end times revealed in the Bible. Well, today we're asking what part does God play in the weather? Our special guest is John Mackay, the creation guy and the founder of Creation Research. John Mackay, a special welcome back to 2020. And good to be here, Neil, in the midst of this supposedly 31-degree day in Queensland, <laughs> which is going to last all the way through to tomorrow when it drops down and cool again if the Weather Bureau gets it right. Well, you might be rubbing that in for those who are in Victoria and New South Wales <laughs> and Tassie who are experiencing more wintry mm, conditions even sure as we are. speak. They sure are. Well, John, in fact, uh, when we talk about the weather, sometimes our impressions of climate change can be influenced by what the weather is doing today. I mean, this is an interesting and important aspect. Cool in the south. It's going to be 31 degrees in Brisbane. Uh, this is the sort of thing people often will think about when they're making their assessment as to whether climate change is real and of concern. It is certainly true, Neil, that most people have a very limited local view and, I mean, take the headlines in the last month. USA experiences hottest July on record and then a big one, the hottest July ever. Right, Not just on record, but ever. And of course, I had to smile because Dr. Diane Eager, one of our workers who lives in Canberra, said, well, if this is hot, I need more jackets on. It's freezing <laughs> here in Canberra during July. So it was actually one of the coldest on record down there. So many, many statements about climate are very local. And the bigger the news media you can catch, the bigger it seems to look, even though it isn't. So checking all around in July, the one on record, when do the records go to? 1,000 years? No. 500 years? No. Uh, how long have Europeans been in the USA? No, they don't even have 200 years of records. So when we say the hottest July ever, we have to be really careful and say, well, hang on, wasn't there a drought in Abraham's day? Wasn't it so hot and dry he had to leave and go to Egypt? Perhaps we need more, a bigger picture, and God's Word supplies us with a lot of that, as does ancient history as well. The news media plays a bit of a role here because if it's not the biggest, if it's not the harshest, if it's not the worst, if it's not, uh, you know, the the most devastating event, uh, then it becomes a non-headline. Mm. To get the headline, you've got to be able to say this is the worst. Those yeah. temperatures were the highest. It was the coldest. You've got to be able to say that. And so you've got this reporting idea that helps to form our opinions about mm-hmm. what's going on. You certainly do. And in fact, we need to wake up to that as we're listening to news. I mean, God bless Channel 7, because during the worst of the last year, the COVID, they put a little good news segment on. Right now, 
I, I suspect that people were far more interested in the bad news. In fact, they find that out too. The bad news, murders, killings, climate going over the wall. We're going to kill off the kangaroos because of climate. The bad news actually appeals to us. I have a, a theory that that's because we're sinners at heart and we really like bad news, right? The good news, little old lady helped over the street, doesn't touch us at all. And I said, we, we, we need to take that into consideration. The newspapers are certainly selling fear. Be afraid of what's going to happen with the climate. Be afraid of what's happened with COVID. Be afraid of the war. Be, you know, and it really does sell, sadly. We've got to be careful. Let's come to our topic around weather. And uh, if God can control every other aspect of what happens in the universe, uh, in, in our lives even, right down to minute detail, then it must be possible that he could control the weather. It's certainly the picture you get as you read through the Bible because A, he invents the weather, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? B, he sends the first climate change when he says to Noah, there's going to be 40 days of rain. And Noah really could have said, what's rain? I've never seen it, right? Because it didn't rain. The Bible's emphatic. There was no rain till Noah's flood. Then after Noah's flood, the weather becomes more like what we're used to, but lifespans drop and you end up with big droughts in Abraham's day that we mentioned before, and the weather becomes more and more like it is now. But what did God say at the end of Noah's flood? He said, from now till the end of the world, not till ScoMo rains in Canberra or whatever, now till the end of the planet, it'll be hot, it'll be cold, it'll be summer, it'll be winter, it'll be seed time, be harvest, until the world ends. So that, that's the longest term prophecy we've ever had about weather. So yes, he does, uh, and does not just have the power to do it, he claims he does do it. John, let's stay with the flood for a moment because the flood, such an enormous event. And as listeners will know, having listened to this program so many different times, we've spoken about the flood, all the evidences that you can see uh, uh, on all different levels for the fact of a flood at the magnitude that we talk about with Noah's flood. Now, given the flood, given the evidence, the fact, as you say, that climate changed from pre-flood to post-flood. How do we understand that? Because it's a little bit like there's a stake in the ground with the flood, and this is a point in which we can actually have some level of stability in the way we think about history here. Mm. What are your thoughts for for this powerful issue of the flood? There's two sides that we must consider, and one is that the whole of geological history was invented as a tool for understanding the earth based on the concept of God created, the world was made good, sin came in, then Noah's flood destroyed the planet. So you have your primary rocks, which are the ones from creation, your secondary rocks are the ones from the flood, and the whole of geological thinking grew out of that. Now you get to a stage where John Mackay, the creation guy, is asked to give a lecture at New England University. Turns out the Geological Society which organised this, the, the professor was now my old tutor. And so I gave a lecture and I brought Noah's flood in. And I still remember to this day how my professor finished. He got up and he said, John, I cannot disagree with any fact you've stated, but why did you have to bring the flood in? Well, number one, that's where it started. But number two, modern geology is based on a hatred of Noah's flood. So that's one side of it. The second side is, as you look at it, 
the whole of the creation begins very good. There's no rain. There's a mist over all the world. Look at the details. The Bible's not just a, a book of theological theory. It's a book with critical facts in about mist, about rain, about how long people lived, right? And part of the reason the world before Noah's flood was such a delightful place with giant animals and all these sort of things is because the weather was really good. Adam and Eve were made stark naked. God didn't give them raincoats, right? They didn't need any. They didn't need jackets. So there is wonderful descriptions up to Noah's flood as to how good the weather was. How do we look at this as Christian believers somehow or other with a reference to Noah's flood, with a reference to things being very different after the flood, uh, we're looking at things somewhat differently and perhaps preserved from a lot of the fear that is present in the world uh, because, you know, there are those who will say, you know, climate change is going to cause us all to be extinct by 2030. I mean, that's yeah, only yeah. that's only nine years away and uh, every yeah. day passes by, we're a day closer. Christians look at these sorts of things in a different way. Uh, we have a different set of facts that we're looking at, uh, alleviates some of the fear in the fear-mongering that goes on. Okay, there's probably two or three ways we can answer that. One is to remember that great old poem by Dorothy McKellar. You know, I love a sunburnt country. Mm -hmm. Contender for the national anthem at one stage, right? But then she's got of droughts and flooding rains. When was it written? 1908. The weather was like that in Australia in 1908. Big, in fact, the biggest drought was the one they just had, the Federation drought. So, A, we need to learn a lesson. If you want to understand tomorrow, visit yesterday many, many times and you'll get a good picture. B, when you look at God's role in all of this, he tells you, well, hey, I promised you there'd be heat, there'd be cold, there'd be summer, there'd be winter, and that's what it's going to be like. You've got my word on it and he doesn't lie. So we've got a confidence which robs, uh, robs you of a real fear, and I'll illustrate it with one sad farmer. I guess you've noticed, Neil, amongst farmers, suicide rates have increased dramatically yeah, yep. because their grandkids are blaming them for destroying the earth. And one farmer said, what can I do? None of my kids or my grandkids want the farm and I'm being blamed for ruining Australia. That's tragic. But if you knew the real history of Australia, listen, in five years' time, this is going to be lush green like it was 100 years ago. The idea that there is a difference in thinking here, let's stay with this for a moment uh, because uh, I picked up one idea that there's a serious flaw in the secular way of thinking about environmentalism. And that is that it's seeing the environment and nature as inherently good and normal. Uh, there's something different here in which we think of as Christians, uh, going back to, again, back to the garden here, and the idea of sin, the idea of a curse. How does that impact, do you think, uh, with weather issues? Okay. There's some things we have learned about this from just hard experience. So you know I run Jurassic Ark up at Gympie. In fact, sleep a commercial in. Come and visit the world's best <laughs> creation museum, folks. It's now open again. For how long, I'm not sure, but it's If you're great. in Queensland. Yeah, that's right. Here in Queensland, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, and anyway, one of the things we know is when they opened the gold mines there, many, many trees came down to prop up the mines. Many trees came down to let cattle come and feed the miners, right? And historically, 
the weather changed because of the connection between trees, water vapor, and rain. So we know that when God gave us dominion over the earth, some of the things we do can affect the weather on a local scale. I mean, we've got air conditioning in here. We've played God and made made the weather. A little G-O-D, right? <laughs> not, not the real one. But we've tried to affect the weather. So there's that side of it. Secondly, you'll find, however, when you look at the real history of weather, there's a bigger pattern here that seems to repeat over and over again. So as I was talking to my grandson, I think it was yesterday or the day before, if you look at the uh, the Australian weather, I, I'm old enough now, I'm 74, Neil, I've seen the weather long time, and I've noticed that on the weather maps, we have a band of clouds comes from Broome all the way down northwest, southeast across Australia. As that shifts, it'll either flood in Victoria, or it'll flood in northern New South Wales, or you'll have drought in Victoria, or you'll have drought in Queensland. And where that goes is a big determiner. And if you and I could affect that, then we could play a really bigger G-O-D, right? We'd never be God who can control it with just a word from his mouth. And in fact, that's why I love to remind Christians, yours truly, John Mackay, learned a very good lesson when I bought a property which had no water. I planted some seedlings and I said to my wife, you need to pray for rain. Anyway, first day went past, second day, no rain. I said, darling, you need to pray for rain. My seedlings are dying. And she said, oh, I've been praying for dry because the kids have got very dirty nappies. I said, all right, I'm going to draw a line on here. You pray for this side. I'll pray for that side. And we did. And you know, it rained. God is that good. He sends rain on one country and another. Now, I didn't invent that. It's in the scriptures that he can bless one country with rain and he can bless another country. We would call it punishment with drought. So at Jurassic Ark, we've got a drought at the moment. So we said, all right, drought comes from the same person who sends the rain. Let's expand the dam. Take advantage. Now, the fact of God having control over the weather, we could come back to the Bible and perhaps we could spend an awful lot of time on this because there are lots of references uh, to God and control of the weather. Um, But um, any thoughts here around the fact of God's control, I mean, you know, you've got hailstorms uh, on Egypt, uh, you've got the global flood, of course, mm-hmm. that was a, a weather event. So there's there's biblical issues here of, uh, of God and the weather, tornadoes, uh, hurricanes, drought. I mean, the Bible is, in fact, full of all sorts of climate references. And so you've got this God and climate at capacity. You've got Jesus on the boat and the weather picks up and Jesus stands up and speaks to the storm and the storm yeah, ceases. Right. So you've got God and weather here. So for the Christian believer, this does impact the way we think about climate change. It should. A lesson from our history, when you look at Francis Drake playing bowls on on the shore of the, the, the British southern shore, right? And of course, the story is he had to finish his game before he went and fought the Spanish Armada. But it wasn't him that fought off the Spanish Armada. It was the storms that ruined them. And as the church has said, we've been praying for God to intervene on our behalf in this battle. Now, it reminded me when I read that little snippet of history that doesn't make it into the the normal history books. It reminded me of this passage in 2 Kings chapter 3, where Elisha, the prophet, has just been filled with God's Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit wasn't given in those days, so the Holy Spirit would come upon the prophets. And Elisha said to the king, the king had set out to invade a country, but the Moabites were too strong. The king's taken a roundabout trip. He's running out of water. His animals are dying. He's going to be beat before he gets there. And Elisha said, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. 
For thus says the Lord, You will not see the wind, neither shall you see the rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. And so that day they had to dig the whole valley full of ditches and then they woke up next morning and the place is full of water. Okay, now there was no rain that they could see, no wind, and yet this is what happened and they won the battle because their enemies didn't have the water they did. So you'll find that God can do it in the Spanish Armada, God could do it it through the prophet Elijah, and he can still do it today if from ScoMo down we do what? You remember that unpopular politician, Jockey Peterson? Yeah. I remember a big drought where he said, all right, that's it, we're going to pray, right? Popular or unpopular, either hated him or loved him, right? He was that sort of a person, but he prayed and it rained. And that's what we need to do, first of all, in all of our weather. Lord, we need you to bless this country, whether it's a disease, whether it's drought or whatever. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We are talking Christians and climate change. Your opportunity to join into our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is John Mackay, the creation guy and founder of Creation Research. And John, I think it'd be good for us just to let listeners in and uh, ask their own questions as to how this conversation develops. Let's start with Lawrence, who is in Perth, WA. Hello, Lawrence. Welcome. Much. I've heard that over 80% of photosynthesis of conversion of CO2 into oxygen occurs in the oceans of the world compared only to a small amount in the world's forests. But I haven't heard such people as David Attenborough say such things, for example. No, you'll you'll not hear a lot of things from David Attenborough that are actually correct. Um, in concerning climate, remember we've got the CO2 cycle, the oxygen cycle, all these things, and they all work together as part of the climate situation. And it is a fact that what you said about the conversion of the, the photosynthetic cycle, most of our climate uh, oxygen, CO2, is not produced by people or trees on the land. We actually get most of that photosynthetic stuff from the tiny little almost microscopic algae in the sea. Hence, when you look at the end of the world and God says a third of the life in the sea will die, now that's a big issue, right? Because if you fly over the oceans at the moment, quite a bit of the shallow water uh, oceans are very polluted, right? So that is something God has told us. You have dominion, so if you blow it, you drop the rubbish, you clean it up. Uh, But if you clean it up, it doesn't take a million years to fix. Simple example, I remember going to have a look at the River Thames when I first went to England. Most of it was a stinky place, right? Now they decided to clean up their act and you can now find fishes right up the top of the Thames. Uh, They've done it. It didn't take a million years, didn't take a thousand years, took less than 10 to clean up the mess they've made. So make sure we exercise the dominion God gave us. But yes, David Attenborough never mentions that. Just like he was caught by surprise when the Aborigines in North Queensland pointed out to where they used to live and they used to live way up beyond the Barrier Reef, which of course means the Barrier Reef wasn't there when the Aborigines first arrived. So the Barrier Reef hasn't 
taken millions of years to grow like it's in the textbooks at all. And we've seen the flood, the, the, the water levels rise and nothing to do with human industry at all. And he doesn't mention that one bit. So watch out what David Attenborough doesn't mention. It's usually interesting. Lawrence, great insight. And uh, one of those things that we will look out for, what David Attenborough leaves out of his presentations. Let's take another call. Jenny is in Henty in New South Wales. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Yes, how are you once today? Very good, Jenny. What are your thoughts? Uh, we just live in the southern part of New South Wales and um, I know that one of the chief scientists in Australia um, gave a prediction uh, before 2010 and he said that there would be no more snow falling on the Australian Alps from then on. And there's been more snow Um, in the last few years than ever before. Yes, the Labor Party appointed uh, advisor didn't do very well with those predictions. In fact, I think he blew 99% out of 100. uh, And they don't take any notice of anything but the so-called political correctness. Now, when I say that, I remember talking to the man who was the chief grant supervisor. I won't name the country, but his job was to organise government funding as to what he was doing. And in reality, he told me personally, I've been ordered to not provide funding for anything that doesn't support climate change. So when you look at this, there is a political side and you need to consider that as well, as you do need to find, okay, around Henty, there's evidence of big creatures that used to live and around Henty, there's not enough grass to keep them alive today. So it's not people who've done this. These big creatures were dead before we got here. So it's not European industry at all. And the Labor Party advisor was totally up the creek with his snow predictions, as well as his all the dams will be empty, etc. I think there's a little snow around today too in some of the southern states. Jenny, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Ben is on the line. Hi, Ben. Welcome. In WA, hey, how are you doing? Good, Ben. Yep, what are your WA thoughts? Boy. Well, my thoughts. I got two thoughts. First one is about the when people pray and God sends the rain. It reminds me of when Israel was in the drought, and uh, and I forget what the gentleman's name. Is. He got he got out on the ground and he said between his knees and started praying and sent his servant up on top of the hill to see if there's cloud coming. Did it seven times, and the other thought is that um. When they talk about global warming, that forget one important thing, the object that generates heat for this world, which is the sun. And from my understanding, the sun is sort of warming up at the moment. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thought, the last bit there. Uh, I don't know how we'd prove that or disprove it, but it certainly is enough to keep life on planet Earth. But in reality, again, as I said with Dorothy McKellar, if you want to understand the future, visit the past and visit it often. And you'll see this same pattern over and over again, minus the doomsdayers, minus those who said the world is ending because they had a traditional belief here in Australia that God was. Even if they weren't churchgoers, God was, and he was in charge of the big picture. So we could rest assured, bad drought now, grandpa's going bankrupt, it will come back, I'll keep the block of land. Right, no suicide. Why suicide over something's going to change in five years' time? And even the banks would lend you money on the on the drought ending 
uh, in four or five years' time. So when you have a look, history is a vital key to this, uh, whether it be the freezing of the entire British fleet in the 1700s where thousands of people died, strung up in the British, uh, you know, in the ships in the Mediterranean, and then the weather changed totally in the next 10 years. And it even does that sort of pattern today. I was digging fossils on the east coast of England, and in the morning I was wearing shorts. In the afternoon, the wind blew in from Russia, and man, did I rush to get my woolly coats and my woolly hat on. I couldn't believe such a change could occur that quickly. And if I didn't have those clothes, I would have been like those sailors up the sails. I would have been really, really in serious trouble. So it can happen that quickly. And the climate change had nothing to do with human uh, activity at all in the 1600s, 1500s or whatever. It's a fact of history. And you have to look higher like the man on his knees. Go up the top of the hill. See when God's going to answer me, will you please? Uh, but we need to do one thing. You know that scripture, Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal the land. Our, our attitude has to be, God, I'm sorry we consulted only the Weather Bureau and forgot about you. We need to remember that you are the ultimate person in charge here. We need to humble ourselves and ask you to fix the land, to, to send the rain. And we need to, oh, perhaps what could be cause it? Perhaps killing all these babies would be one reason. Perhaps we need to stop that. Perhaps we need to join the marches about uh, euthanasia at the moment. Perhaps we, we shouldn't go around killing people if you said not to. Man, do I get provocative. Yeah, I know that. But in reality, these are some of the things that the bigger picture takes into consideration. Ben, in Boulder, WA, thank you so much for your call. And just coming up to news, uh, just to touch on farmers for a few moments, because as you indicated, John, uh, and we have had programs about this, farmers, uh, suicidal farmers, Mm. thinking that they have nothing more to live for. The only option for them is to be out of here but as you say with the christian foundation which brings hope for not only eternity but hope for us now empowerment now uh, there is hope for farmers even if things look hard knowing that god is the one who is controlling the weather there is true and you you need to remind the farmers that you need them and you are concerned about them so don't just let them go through the drought and, and do it tough. You do it tough with them by sending them. You know these truckies that take the food and the hay out? You make sure you get behind them and you support them because, I mean, if their kids have abandoned them because of what they've learned in the school, then you people need to become their kids and say, Dad, Grandpa, we'll look after you. Well, continuing more after Vision National News, before we do take another call, and there's a number waiting here, John, uh, your Jurassic Park... Jurassic uh, Ark, please. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Jurassic Ark's the movie. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Jurassic Ark. Yeah. Uh, just at Gympie in Queensland. Yeah. Uh, you've had your own challenges with uh, lockdown situations. Oh, have and, we ever. And people are not booking as they used to in advance. But it's created some opportunity for your team here. It sure has. I mean, it's wonderful. We had our first live school, a whole couple of classes and teachers, right, 50 people or so last week. That was just a joy. Uh, But in reality, you're right. If they don't know whether there's going to be a lockdown next week or it's threatened, how can you book anything? But what it's done is it's given us a park where we've had no interference and the number of discoveries we've made uh, have been incredible. We brought home a huge object last week. Uh, I sent you a picture of it, right, with 
funny-looking points at both ends. No expert around the globe we've sent it to has ever seen it. It's not in any of the, the books at all. And we're saying, what is it, Lord? Is it a giant peapod? Is it a giant seed? Is it a giant fruit? So it's been exciting. That's only one of the many that we've dug up this year. So it's been great. And the number of things that you are able to research and apply a biblical foundation to, it's just huge. It's not it like really there's is. only a little narrow uh, area of research here. Yeah. It's just, it's across every area. Yeah, when when some of the folks say, oh, you're a fundamentalist, you're you're an anti, uh, anti-globalist, anti you're, you're an anti-climate person, right? And I say, no, hang on, I've planted more trees than you have. I've planted thousands of trees. Come to Jurassic Ark and see them. Uh, and we've actually planted our biblical gardens, not just the trees of Israel, but from Adam up to the present on 10 hectares, we have sort of, we've planted more trees than even the the Labor Party wants planted over Australia, just about right, and on my own property too. So we've put it to practice. We've used the best techniques possible, the ones the old farmers used to use, the ones that actually work because they are part of God's plan. We've investigated how does God get trees and worms and all these things going, and it works. It's called Jurassic Ark. Hey, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Steve is in the Grampians in Victoria. Hi, Stephen. Welcome. Yeah, um, g'day. How you going? Very well. Um, Stephen, yeah. what are your que- you had a question or some thoughts? Well, I've got thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I've been reading a lot, um, including, like, uh, you know, uh, hidden agendas behind the whole um, hysteria of, you know, creating hysteria, uh, you know, and so on. But um, I think that any um, believer that is uh, looking into Bible prophecy and, you know, reading about the end times will have a good understanding of what is happening, um, you know, in the world and how God has everything under control. Like I said, the seasons will continue um, right through to the end um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but as well, uh, I've heard things like um, when there's an increase in carbon dioxide, well, plants actually flourish more. Uh, <laughs> they actually grow better uh, with an increase of carbon dioxide. Stephen, um, you're making a very, very significant and powerful point here. Uh, increased CO2, increased plant food. Uh, your thoughts it, here, it's John? It's certainly true. I mean... Uh, the farmers that I've talked to have sort of flipped the CO2 problem on their head. And one farmer said to me, I pump my exhaust through my seed furrow plough. And he said, my seeds germinate even quicker. Right. So the CO2, which really does play a role in plant uh, generation and plants growth, really is a benefit so when we look at, say, the rocks and fossils, even at Jurassic Ark, we'll find bits of fossilised resin, right? And when you look at all the resin around the world, and by the way, we just got some fossil resin with so-called dinosaur feathers in it. They're really bird feathers, but it's great to have those specimens. So when you look, the fossil CO2 that's trapped in the resin, there used to be more. In fact, there isn't a single expert who knows his stuff about CO2 who could dispute that the world grew bigger plants, better plants, and it had a much more even environment because all the evidence shows the CO2 was up to three to four times greater than it is now. And the CO2 diminishing, that actually causes a lot more problems than people are willing to admit. So yes, the farmers could make great use of it. 
Thank you so much to Stephen in the Grampians. Before we take another call, this idea of climate alarmism, uh, which is where a lot of the fear comes from, the alarmist, and there's some identities we perhaps could name, but alarmism converted to strengthening our Christian faith, uh, understanding more deeply that there are things that God has planned for this time. Uh, This is something we ought to be thinking about. So when the alarmism comes... Our faith is increased. Yes. Well, it's certainly true. I'll be talking about this next Sunday down at the Gold Coast in the Baptist Church there on COVID, climate and Christ, right? Who's actually in charge? The climate, COVID or Christ, right? So, but one of the things that's come out of that study is the obvious people, obvious connections people want to make to create fear. Be afraid of the climate. Be afraid of, don't spend money this way. Be afraid. Fear, fear, fear. Um, in the last couple of weeks, and you can find this on our website, creationresearch.net, we just filed a couple of links so you can see how broad this fear pattern is. Do you know the Taliban were aided in taking over Afghanistan by climate change? Yes, it's a big item from CBS, a reputed broadcaster. Then there's another one on how coronavirus was assisted by climate change. Oh, no. How many links do they want to make? They, they're actually, the whole agenda is to create fear. And if you take fear into a society, several things happen. People fear each other. People fear the future. People fear the government. Uh, all those sort of things. And fear is not the... It's not, it's not healthy for society. In fact, do you realize the scripture says, fear God and him alone? Right? Fear God and him alone because he is the one who actually is in charge of the climate. So can I encourage you, you will see the moralistic people taking this uh, climate, the COVID, etc., and using it as a fear platform. And if you're a Christian, you should say, fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. And that's his whole policy in being the one who is so big and powerful, you should fear him, but don't fear anybody else. He is with you, Christians, at all times. He will get you through the good times and the bad times, and you'll say, thank you, Lord. Now lead me to someone I can tell about you. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. As I've said, questions, comments, even critiques. You might have an alternative idea. You're welcome, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Graham is in Burnie, Tasmania. Hi, Graham, welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, You know, there's so much confusion in the world these days, and God does say, if you reject me, you will have confusion. Another thing, what a lot of people today uh, are not mentioning is that we've become a Sodom and Gomorrah and on the other thing in, it does say that as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the last days so many ministers will are fearful to say what's happening the weather the drastics the weather the fires all these disasters that God is angry angry because we have rejected him, and we need to come to him, turn to him, repent, because these are from God. There's, right. there's a, a, an overriding principle here, but let me, let me slip in a Tasmanian venue for you. We set up a, um, a new museum in, in uh, Tasmania, just at, down near Launceston at Beauty Point, a creation museum, because it's had a pretty tough year. No, no better year to, to open a museum than COVID plus, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's over at, at, um, at uh, Beauty Point, and you, you'll see lots of stuff down there on the evidence of creation and in, indeed even with the climate. 
But the fact of the matter is that when you look at, say, why is God angry, his primary reason is we acknowledge ourselves rather than him. We make ourselves God over the climate. So as part of our dominion, we say we will fix everything instead of getting on our knees and say, Lord, we acknowledge we have raped the land. We acknowledge we have ruined it. We have acknowledged we have done this just for us. We did not do your will. So there is a judgment side of this, but it's a built-in judgment so often. If you tip arsenic on the land, don't blame God for the bad effects. He certainly invented arsenic, but he tells us to use it wisely to exercise dominion to his honour and glory. So, yes, there's a judgmental side of this, but in reality there's also if you humble yourselves and if you acknowledge what you've done, then I will heal the land. So both of those are true and they're still relevant today. So let us learn from any judgment that God has built into the planet and use it for the benefit of mankind. Graham in Burnie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Before we take another call, the idea of uh, talking climate change and an angry God. I think you did bring some level of balance in your last response there that says while there may be causes of issues and dreadful things that happen to people, uh, blaming God and suggesting that he's angry may not be the full response because the full response may be a restoration issue. Just to clarify that for us, John. Okay. Now, remember we, we talked about Jurassic Ark a little while ago. That land was fully cleared 100 years or so ago in Gympie, right? And it's grown up spindly and all of that. So when we started to restore that land to turn it into a park, we had to first of all rebuild the land, right? Now this has taken 20 years and it started with things like a pile of loosen and some worms, but we had to do it, right? We could pray all we like, God restore this land, but he said, I gave it to you. This is your job, right? Exercise your dominion and rule the planet, right? But when you want to be a ruler, you've got to rule wisely. You've got to do it God's way. So there is an inbuilt law here that says, if you destroy the land, don't blame me. There's a rule in there that God has said, if you do A, here's what will happen, B and C and D. It's self-judging in a real sense till you end up with Africa, a, a desert. Now, we did that. The Romans, they've planted wheat and that all along the top, right? And look what we've done to it. If we want to restore that, we have to take responsibility. We've got to stop blaming God either as judging this. The judgment was built in to the planet, the way the planet reacts. But there are judgments where the Lord says, I will send this on the land. So both of those are true, and we need wisdom to discern the difference. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Neville in Echuca in Victoria. Hi, Neville. Welcome. Neville, right. what are your yeah. thoughts, Neville? Right now, uh, I just listening to David Attenborough, and I think it's, all, it's almost comical the way he talks about why birds fly in particular. They're well designed and they're engineered and they're immaculate. Um, Neville, I think you've got us on hands-free there and we can't hear you so well. If you just pick up your phone, I think we'll be able to hear you a little bit clearly. Or get arrested. Uh, and <laughs> we've lost him. And uh, look, I'm not sure whether you can pick up anything from what Neville was saying. Um, not David really. It was just too yeah. vague. He was talking about birds being well-designed. 
And David Attenborough certainly does. But here's what he puts in. Isn't evolution wonderful? Right? Now, I've corresponded with David, and David is not someone who doesn't know the evidence. He's not someone who doesn't know that that God is the creator. Remember what Romans 1 says? Everyone can see it, everyone can understand it, and everybody knows. So David Attenborough, sadly, is without excuse, and he's right. The bird is well designed. He just attributes the wrong God. He attributes the God of chance, of nature, etc., when the real God gets horribly offended at that. And David will have to give real account for what he's done. Let's take another call. Sterling is in Ararat in Victoria. Hello, Sterling. Welcome. Thanks, Neil. Good to talk to you again. Look, I just want to make a comment in relation to this climate change or the the uh, expected uh, outcomes in the future. These scientists seem to be applying, you know, previous weather patterns to try and predict the future. And you can put anything you want in a computer to get the outcome you want. I, I believe that uh, long-range weather forecasters use sunspots to accurately, more than accurately, uh, predict future weather patterns, uh, such as El Nino and, and the like. Um, and I think that any changes in the climate that we are seeing are a result of that. And I just want to say this finally, that the world is not going to end in the next 15 years as they're trying to scare us into believing. And the Bible tells us so, because just after Noah came out of the ark, the Lord said to him, and I quote, Never again will I curse the ground because of the humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures, as I have done. Okay. To take you you up on on the, uh, the flood and climate, here's an interesting and a real and valid uh, comment from a weather predictor right doing his doctorate at university a qualified weather forecaster employed as a weather forecaster our young man joseph who i was talking to this morning in england who runs our ministry there he got to know him and he asked him a very particular question he said when it comes to climate and weather forecasting and future predictions what would it do if you built noah's flood into your models and the guy said, I don't know. We don't build Noah's flood into the models. He said, well, what would it do if you if you allowed it to rain for 40 days and 40 nights? He said, well, I don't know. We don't do that. And Joseph said, well, would you do that? And so the guy went back and took the challenge seriously, and he built a a conceptual flood that increased the water vapor by 100%, right? And it changed from the world before Noah's flood, which had mists every day, to the world after Noah's flood, which had summer and winter and dry and heat, etc. And the guy came back and he said, you know, he said there isn't one single model at the moment that builds the climate future based on the real biblical history of the flood. He said, when I put that in, he said, it destroys all our predictions that are based on terrible disasters, on human industry. He said, it just ruins them all. And he said, you need to remember that the biblical picture is the basis God actually gave us the weather and God still does control the weather. Let us humble ourselves beforehand, before him, and make sure he's built into our climate future too. Fabulous. Sterling, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is John Mackay, the creation guy. We're talking about God and the weather and climate change. Let's take another call. Trevor is in Hellier in South Australia. Hello, Trevor. Welcome. Oh, good morning, Neil and John. Uh, thank you. Uh, what about Psalm 118, verse 24? This is the day 
the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Present tense, this is the day. This includes the weather, does it not? What's your understanding? Uh, Okay, historically, this psalm, if you start at verse 18, says, Open to me a door into which the righteous shall enter, and lo, you have become my salvation. By the time you get down to the verse you quoted, it's something that Jesus quoted when it's all about himself. So he uses this as a prophecy for himself. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll be glad and rejoice in it. And verse 27 says, Lord, you have become our light. There is no doubt about it. This is a connection to day one of Genesis where God let the light shine in the darkness. We know that because Paul says, For God who commanded the light to shine has shone in our hearts the light of the glory of God. And he ties the gospel from end to end to the fact that the first day of the week, a Sunday, was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So all you Baptists and Charismatics and Methodists and that out there, make sure you rejoice on the day of the Lord when you go to church. Um, But, it is not a statement that says Tuesday's the day, Wednesday's the day, Thursday's the day. The only day the Lord ever made was the first one. He never made the second one. He never made the third one. It's almost like your computer program. Copy, print, copy, print, copy, print, right? And 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 you'll find that, that the only day God ever made was the one right at the start and built into that were all the laws of gravity and time and everything and the fact that it would be the day the light shone in the darkness. So, Please don't overgeneralize it because you end up with some of those pretty ditty Victorian hymns like all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, the Lord God made them all. And then it says the snow-headed mountains. He didn't make snow on the mountains. They didn't come till after Noah's flood. So all of those things we've got to realize are consequences of the curse. And the curse is related to weather as well. So when you look at the day the Lord made, no curse, no no, no weather consequences to disastrous. It was a wonderful day and it became a wonderful day for me when I realized Jesus rose from the dead and I could rejoice because my real problem, not weather, not COVID, but sin was dealt with. Wonderful stuff. Trevor, thank you so much for your call. We'll have to put a line under any calls from here. Time is almost out, just a couple of minutes remaining. If we're drawing some loose ends together, if we're you know, recapping or mm-hmm. just touching on the important things that you might think are a takeaway for listeners today, John, what are your thoughts for uh, you know when we talk about God and the mm-hmm. weather and climate change and fear? There's a lot of things we've talked about. There is, and it's one reason why we've done four DVDs on this. Our newest one is Fire and Ice, where we take you to Iceland and show you the evidence how Iceland was not covered in ice when the Vikings first landed. They didn't even put stoves in their churches, right? It's really fantastic. And then if you go to creationresearch.net, because our time is so limited, search the fact file, insert weather, insert climate, insert ice, snow, drought, etc. And way more than what I can do today will pop up there. And it's free. So that's creationresearch.net, click fact file, search for climate. Always some wonderful places to go to get more detail when those niggling questions get a hold of you. And let me point you to creationresearch.net. Uh, also to mention that the Jurassic Ark is open for now. 
it's <laughs> difficult for people to make bookings, but yeah. uh, it's just uh, at Gympie in yeah. Queensland. So for those who might be thinking a visit to Jurassic Ark, I think you have to sort of book things yeah, book a little in, bit in t- in ahead in of time. time. You've been doing a Zoom conference uh, for Africa, or at least that's coming this, that's this, this week. week. A teacher's conference every day in Africa. So lots of things going on. We're broadcasting every Saturday morning in Australia. Too early for you because it's for England. But uh, you can see all those on our YouTube and uh, replay them all and preaching down the Gold Coast here in Queensland next Sunday. You've also got a website called askjohnmackay.com. You can find YouTube clips of John Mackay addressing all of these sorts of issues and so many more. You can follow John on Facebook. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, You can keep up on fossils on Instagram, Uh, just uh, Instagram creation research. And you can subscribe to the free email newsletters. You can find articles, Q&A at Creation Research. There's kids' books in the Vision store, vision.org.au. And then there's creationresearchlive.net, which is a streaming channel. There's an awful lot of ways to connect with John Mackay, the creation guy. And John, always great getting your wisdom, your insights. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share these with listeners today on 2020. Great to see you again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.